Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Premier Ford apologizes for all the Thanksgiving confusion, and I make a startling confession. Also, today's COVID numbers, the highest we've ever had in Ontario. What do they actually mean? Dr. Michael Warner joins us. And the fly that won the debate. All of that is coming up. Let's get to it. Bibbidi, bibbidi, bop. Look at those numbers. Up they go. Tick, tick, tick. 797. New record high. Don't get freaked out. Don't get freaked out by the daily numbers. All you need to know is this. This is what you need to know is that you got to change whatever Thanksgiving plan you might have. Just forget about it. Forget about Thanksgiving. Put it away. It's not happening. You know what we got to think about? We got a shot at Christmas. Remember that? Still got a shot. Do we still have a shot at Christmas? Do we? I don't know if we do. No, I don't really know because the numbers are not great, especially when you look at the testing numbers. Now, I gave you the 797 number. I warn you every day. Don't get too freaked out by the daily number. You just got to look at the week-over-week averages, and they're not great. But look at this testing number, 48,000. 48,000 tests in the last 24 hours. That's fantastic. Set off the fireworks. Am I right? I mean, this is what the Ford government would say, is that this is reason to celebrate 48,000 tests. Amazing. Except we still have 58,000 pending. So that pending number still stubbornly will not come down. Even though they shut down the testing centers for 48 hours, even though we have moved to appointment only, even though we have changed the messaging on who is supposed to get a test, those pending numbers are still stubbornly high. Here's what else is not good. Hospitalizations up 11, ICU up at least four. That number is in some dispute. Coming up, uh, we have Dr. Michael Warner from Michael Guerin Hospital, and his number is different on that. And it's always not easy to know, because if you go to the website, it doesn't tell you sometimes what the daily increase is. You just have to know what yesterday's number was and then do a little math. And if there's one thing I am not here for, it's math. If I could do math, if I was good at math, you think this is the job I would choose? I would, I'm in a closet in Don Mills. In, a, in an industrial building, ranting by myself. It's a weird thing to do. I love it, but it's weird. If I knew math, I might do something else. Here's some other numbers that uh, not real good. Not real good. 100 new school cases today. 51 new student cases. 22 new staff cases in schools. Uh, two schools in the TDS, or two schools in Ontario, pardon me, still shut down. Uh, and let me just put this plea out there for those of you who are considering that, you know what, we can still get together, right? It'll be okay. We're all fine. Kids have got to stay in school. Please, let me just say to you this. I have two children in the TDSB, and they need to stay in school. And I'm not the only one. I know that there is, even if you're not religious, there is, I mean, there is, you can hear the prayers from parents right across Ontario. Please don't shut down the schools. We need to keep the schools open. And we have medical experts who are saying that if the trajectory continues the same, two weeks from now, that's it. Schools will shut down. That's the projection. 
And my goodness, if that isn't enough to make you eat your pumpkin pie by yourself, I don't know what is. I mean, we've shut it right now. We're just having the immediate family. We're going Doug Ford. And I'm going to get into the whole Doug Ford thing here. Doug Ford, of course, with the announcement this morning with the prime minister. Interesting announcement. You know, the, the, the press release comes out, says Doug Ford and Justin Trudeau are going to make an announcement together. They're, they're not even in the same room. They're in separate areas altogether. Welcome to 2020. But I want to talk a little bit about what happened yesterday with Doug Ford. Uh, and here's the thing. I, I get email. I get I get email from people who say like, "Can we just maybe? Can we talk anything else? Can we talk about anything else?" And I get it. I understand. Sometimes it, it you you really kind of get into the whole, you know, messaging and the communications. And here is where I am gonna just have to admit defeat. I am. I'm gonna have to begin this program by saying, "Yeah, I've been taken out behind the woodshed by Doug Ford again." You know, yesterday on the program I pointed out. What others have pointed out as well is that the whole Thanksgiving communication has been an absolute mess. And I really took apart the absolutely chaotic press conference from Tuesday where Doug Ford muses about, you know, what they're going to do with the family. And then he's going to check with his wife, Carla, and everything back. And I really and I just I really took it to task. And then yesterday, I just after I, you know, just what about 45 minutes after I finished this, Doug Ford comes out and drops this. This Thanksgiving, we're asking that you spend the holiday with just your household. That means sitting down to dinner with only the people you live with. And yesterday I spoke with uh, my wife, Carla, and that's exactly what we'll be doing. I know it's, it's tough on everyone. It's tough not to sit down with, with my case, all my girls, but our, our family is no different uh, than, than anyone else. And uh, we're, we're all going to make sacrifices to stop the spread of COVID-19. That is Doug Ford on Wednesday. Personal, personable, clear, concise, understandable. Doug Ford should be celebrated for that. He should be feted for that. That is an absolutely clear message. Congratulations. Well, well done. And I say that with no hint of sarcasm at all because it is difficult. Because then, as we go on, Yesterday, I pointed out how Doug Ford had said, listen, you know, play the tape, he said, when Cynthia Mulligan of City TV asked him a question about, look, I, we don't understand what you're saying about what the rules are for Thanksgiving. He said, play the tape. Play the tape. I, I, I said, you know, just your own household. And then, of course, we played the tape, and he didn't say that. So then yesterday, Cynthia on the line, but to ask a question again, and here's Doug Ford. I, I want to apologize yesterday. I, I did review the tapes, and you're 100% right. I did say families, not households, so I, I apologize. That's Doug Ford. Is there any any politician in this country that talks like that? Vulnerable? Willing to admit a mistake? And then when pressed about the general confusion in the messaging about Thanksgiving and the general confusion about what is happening with the central table and the fact that Toronto's medical officer of health is saying we need to stop in restaurant dining and the province is saying we don't really think the evidence is there to do that. When asked about that, Doug Ford says this. 
I, I, I get it, honestly, I really do. Sometimes the messaging isn't as, as clear as it should be, and it all comes down to communicating with each other uh, better. And I, I think we all need to do a better job, even myself included. Sometimes I come up here, as I did uh, with Cynthia, you know, I misspoke one one word and, and bang, you're off to the races. So uh, we have to just be a lot clearer, all, all levels of government. Doug Ford is a folk hero. No politician speaks like that. And that is why he is such a powerful leader and been has been... Despite his fault, and I, you know, I'm the first one, as you know, if you're a regular listener, I'm the one that points these things out when the communication isn't consistent, when it isn't good, when it, when they fall down on that. But Doug Ford there, showing why it is that he inspires a lot of loyalty within caucus, within the party, within his supporters... And even those who previously would have said, I am not a Doug Ford fan, don't like him at all, don't like it, and now you have to concede. I mean, you have to concede. I cede to the power of honest, plain talk. And that's what Doug Ford delivered yesterday. And so I kind of feel like maybe I was a little bit of a jerk. I'm just going to (laughs) say, I often think, I often think if I were to write an autobiography, if I were, if I were to, I think maybe a possible title would be more of a jerk than I had to be, the Alan Carter story. We have some breaking news coming out of the United States right now. The FBI is reporting that it has thwarted what it is describing as a plot to violently overthrow the government and kidnap the governor of Michigan. And federal prosecutors are expected to discuss the alleged conspiracy later today. This is just breaking news. The details are coming out, and I kind of keep you up to date when we get more information. But that's the headline coming out right now. The FBI saying that it has thwarted what it says is a violent plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Let's turn our eyes to the numbers again today. As I said, 797. What does it all mean, and what does it mean for the Ford government and the fact that Toronto is saying we need to shut down in-restaurant dining right now, we need to close the gyms, we need to do a whole bunch of other things, and Ontario is saying, well, we don't have the evidence to do that. To further discuss the numbers, I am pleased to be joined by, or at least I spoke to, pardon me, I spoke to just a short time ago via Skype, and this will explain some of the uh, audio issues here over Skype. Uh, This is Dr. Michael Warner uh, from Michael Guerin Hospital discussing how to interpret these numbers that have come out today. Dr. Warner, thank you for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Alan. When you look at the numbers that came out this morning, how do you interpret them? Well, I think uh, case numbers have to be interpreted with uh, you know, a grain of salt because we know that testing for symptomatic individuals is essentially being rationed right now with this appointment-based system and that at-risk communities really don't have the same access to testing uh, that individuals who have flexibility have. So the numbers have gone up, which I think reflects the fact that there's lots of COVID in our hotspot regions, and we should be aware of that. But whether the numbers go up or down in a given day isn't exactly what I pay attention to, but it, it definitely caused for concern. Considering that the uh, province put a pause on testing to try and clear that backlog number and 
uh, a number of medical officials said and experts said that you know the numbers that we're seeing are not reflecting real time they're not actually you know really accurate i'm just wondering how much stock you actually put in that daily number well i, I think the whole system uh, unfortunately is on the brink of failure because if you have a positive test the e for an arm of that positive test is the contact tracing piece and if it takes sometimes up to five, six, or even seven days to get the positive test back. Meanwhile, people are now waiting sometimes two or three days to get a testing appointment. By the time they get the positive test result, the contact tracing efforts, if they in fact do occur, are essentially useless. So, you know, it's it's somewhat of a, of a mirage or charade that we're you know, in the middle of right now because unless we get timely tests back, unless we're testing the right people, unless the right people have access to tests, and, and unless we contact trace those cases, we're really not doing much from a public health perspective right now to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Um, you mentioned the ICU number that, that that was particularly concerning today. Why? So, so most doctors and other experts will say that hospitalizations and ICU admissions are lagging indicators of how much COVID has spread in the community because it means that COVID has spread from you know, the 20 to 40 year old demographic uh, to the 40 to 60 year old and then ultimately to the 60 to 80 year old demographic, which are most commonly the patients who are sick with COVID and, and ultimately in the ICU. And today we have eight new patients in Ontario uh, with COVID in ICUs. And that's the, the most we've had since June 4th. And that's a number that's really important to pay attention to, keeping in mind that that number could be uh, you know, represent underreporting because we also have to wait longer to get our test results back for inpatients in the hospital. So there are patients in my hospital that I've had to wait up to five days uh, to get a test result. That's a patient sick in the ICU, you know, on a breathing machine. So I think it just points to the fact that we have enough data, now lagging data, to convince the government to introduce public health measures that will stop the bleeding. And those measures are the ones that have been proposed by Dr. Davila. You're in, in favor of the government doing that immediately. Absolutely. I, I think we need to trust our local public health officers. They know their jurisdictions. They know their citizens. They understand their numbers. And they were trusted during the first wave to introduce things like masking policies with, you know, by public health unit. And now on the flip side, when Dr. Davila is asking for public health measures, to be instituted in her jurisdiction, she's essentially being ignored and, and being told, you know, the data isn't good enough. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I'm not sure what data Premier Ford is looking for because that hasn't been made clear to us. What, you know, where, where is their dashboard that tells them when it's time to introduce measures to protect us? Um, do you think it's inevitable that the, the government will concede and and move towards what Dr. Davila is suggesting, considering that the numbers are going in one direction. I don't know if concede is the right word, because I actually think, you know, they, they have talked about a surgical approach, and they've yet to enter the operating room. I mean, they haven't done anything to reduce the spread of COVID-19 in a meaningful way. And, and what they're trying to do is avoid you know, the hammer approach of having to, you know, destroy all these businesses at once by having a lockdown. And, and I would agree with that. We need to have a targeted approach, but unless you actually make the first move, uh, a more blanket approach will be necessary in the weeks ahead because this will continue to spread. So I would highly encourage them to pay attention to the science and the data, make sure health and safety is the number one priority, understand that long-term economic sustainability is contingent on COVID being controlled. If we control COVID, people will go to the restaurants that you want to keep open, and employees won't be afraid to work there either. Uh, uh, it's not—it's uh, a false dichotomy between health and the economy. If you have health, the economy will follow. 
Dr. Warner, can we talk about schools, uh, the recent numbers, the numbers today, 100 new school cases today, 51 student cases, 22 new staff cases. Do you believe that it is inevitable, especially if we're on the trajectory that we're on, that schools will have to be closed? Well, I think schools should be considered an essential service. And I think that being able to attend school is more essential than being able to sit down at a restaurant with five people you don't live with to have a drink or a meal without a mask on. And if we make school the focus, then we should do everything we can to protect schools from having to, to close. At the same time, it's expected that there will be outbreaks in school. And that does not represent a failure. It represents the fact that we need to make sure that public health has the resources to follow up on those cases and to contact trace appropriately and to reduce the spread of COVID-19 once it enters a school. And also keep in mind that the lower we keep the levels of community spread of COVID-19, the more protected schools will be from further outbreaks. So everything is interrelated, but schools should be the last thing to close. I think a lot of people are, are feeling pretty down going into this weekend, especially with the way the numbers are going and how we've had to adjust our plans going into Thanksgiving. I'm wondering, is there, is there a silver lining anywhere here? You know, whether it's the testing numbers daily, what, is there something to feel good about? I can say the healthcare system is ready to take care of people because, you know, we, we have to, and we are the last line of defense. So, if things go the way they might go, uh, we will be ready to save people's lives and to protect them. And our priority is to make sure that non-COVID-related healthcare continues, which is something that stopped in, in wave one. Unfortunately, you know, the reason I spend so much time in media and on Twitter is because I'm not happy with the way things are going, and it didn't have to be this way. And I'm hoping that we can finally learn from our mistakes that being reactive doesn't work, being proactive does, as it has in other jurisdictions, and that we can't make COVID go away just because we wish it away. We actually have to do the hard work to control it and, and economic sustainability will follow. And, you know, I'm not so worried about Thanksgiving, Alan. I'm worried about Victoria Day 2021. I mean, we need to get things under control so that we can have those holidays together, you know, in the spring. Uh, because, you know, Thanksgiving, we're just at the beginning of this wave too. Is it possible that we could even get together in Victoria Day 2021 without a vaccine? So I think, you know, that's an interesting question. So we need effective therapeutics. That means medicine to treat COVID. We need a vaccine that is effective and also one that people will actually take, which is a challenge in high GDP countries. And also understand that a vaccine is going to be similar to the flu shot. You know, it's a risk mitigation shot. It's not like a polio vaccine where if you take the polio vaccine, you don't get polio. It's going to be similar to the flu shot, something that reduces the risk of getting COVID in particular if more people take it, but it may not be the silver bullet people are hoping for, which is why we have to recognize that we're in for the long haul here. And, uh, and, and that will be very difficult for people to get their head around. And, and I can understand if people are depressed and upset by that, but unfortunately that's the reality we face. Dr. Michael Warner, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Lot to take away from that discussion with Dr. Dr. Michael Warner from Michael Guerin Hospital. Uh, Dr. Warner has been very, very vocal about his criticism and his concern. You heard him say it didn't have to be this way. We did not have to get to this stage. You also heard him say that schools are an essential service and that if we want schools open, then we need to take the actions that so far, for some unknown reason, the provincial government will not take. I think everyone 
watching Doug Ford when he answers these questions about why he is not taking the advice of Dr. Davila in Toronto. You see how it's wearing on him, this, this push and pull between finance and health. And you heard Dr. Warner say it doesn't have to be this way, that you can't have financial health without public health, and that it has to be public health first. So that if the concern is what will happen to these restaurants if we do say one month you must shut down, no in-person eating, take out only, that if we want these restaurants to be able to survive into next year, we must shut them down now. We must move. Your turn to weigh in on Thanksgiving and your Thanksgiving plans. I want to know, have you changed up what you're going to do? Have you amended your Thanksgiving? Are you having singles over? <laughs> That's my favorite part of, of the communication, which is, all right, listen, nobody outside your own home, unless you have some really sad single friend, then maybe bring them over but make them sit in the corner. <laughs> yes. Oh, you poor, pathetic single. Come on over. We're going to... Doug Ford says it's okay. So the phone number, 416-870-6400. What are your Thanksgiving plans? Have you changed what you're going to do? Have you called up everybody and just said, forget it, don't come. I know I ordered a giant turkey a week ago, but now that's too bad. Don't come on over. All right, as we wait for your calls, I want to quickly get you up to date on what's going on south of the border. Can we just talk a little uh, Trump? First of all, here's this uh, breaking news real quick. This is uh, from the FBI. It says it has thwarted what it describes as a plot to overthrow the government and to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Apparently a call out for uh, militia members to storm the state capitol. So that is developing. And then you got this whole debate issue. Uh, Here is Donald Trump uh, saying this morning to Fox News after it had been announced that, yes, there would be a second debate. It would be sort of separated, virtual, that the two candidates would not be together in the room. Here's Donald Trump talking about that. So you're not so, Mr. President, you're not going to do it because the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. As Donald Trump saying not going to debate, and then Joe Biden has put a. Uh, a statement now saying he's not going to debate. Well, you know, Donald's not coming. I'm not going. So it doesn't look like there's going to be a second debate. Let's uh, get to the phone lines as we talk about Thanksgiving. Lots of people want to talk about how they've changed their plans. Jason is on line one. Uh, were you going to have a big shindig, uh, Jason, and you've changed it all? Yep. We were uh, going to do the cottage as normal, intersecting bubbles. Um, and no, the plug's been pulled. Um, a bunch of us, I think, may get together for a little time outside on a lovely Saturday afternoon, but that's it. Nobody's spending the night, et cetera, all to uh, hopefully protect our uh, our family leaders, our 80-year-old family leaders. What, what's your and, perspective uh, on the messaging, Jason? I mean, there's been a lot made about it this week that it's been confusing. How have you found it? What's your perspective? Um, 
I think that, uh, yeah, I think that, I think Rob kind of stumbled on his words a couple days ago. I think he did. Um, I think he's doing a great job, by the way. But um, I think that it was a little muddled. Um, and, yeah, I really do think that bars and restaurants in Toronto really do need to take a pause. Oh, so you're on uh, the Davila side. You think that the the province should do what Toronto's asking? I kind of think they, I kind of think we do. I think I agree with the doctor you had on earlier that these local medical officials are the people that know the local picture the best, and they need to be respected. I think at this point. All right, Jason. Thanks. Appreciate your call. Isaac's on line two. Uh, how is your Thanksgiving going to be different this year, Isaac? Uh, well, uh, typically we go to my mom's in uh, Brampton there, but she's in a pretty bad region there, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna cancel that. And my wife decided that we'd just order in some turkey. Were you gonna just get like a restaurant to del- like you know take out something Actually, like that? We, we have uh, we have a caterer and that's near near our a- area, and she offered a, like a turkey dinner special, so we went with that. So we're not even gonna cook. It's going to be great. That sounds awesome, dude. That sounds yeah. awesome. All right. <laughs> thanks, Isaac. I we're just going to relax, right? So yeah. just take uh, it easy this year, and hopefully next year we'll have a better one. Yeah. Thanks you very much. Appreciate the call. Uh, Brandon is on line two. You were going to have a rager, were you? Uh, yeah. My my parents actually have uh, the Thanksgiving for my dad's side and my mom's side. So e- each one is about 25 to 30 people, typically. Uh, and it's going down just to six of us. Okay, now hold on. You go down to six. Let's talk about the six. Are the six all in the same household, Brandon? They are not. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, How do you feel about that? That is outside the guidelines. Yeah. We're doing the best we can do, because if it's not that, then then it's two people and three different households, so not really as, as much fun. I, I don't mean to take you to task. I mean, everybody's going to make their own decision, but fun should not really be the metric that you're deciding this by. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's just too too much to ask to like uh, not see my parents and not see my sister. So it's just... Uh, I, I don't think they're aiming at the right thing. I think because, like I said, we went from 25 down to six. I think is, I think that's as, as best you can ask for. And I don't mean to belabor this. I, I understand that there's, you know, there's a lot of people in in your same boat, just trying to you know, trying to do the best, and right. you know, trying to make good decisions. But I mean, you talked about your parents being there. I mean, how you know, exposed are you? How exposed? Is your sister? How many vectors are you going to be bringing into this celebration? Right. So uh, I work from home. My girlfriend works from home. Uh, my mom's retired. Uh, my dad is retired. My sister is on maternity leave, and uh, my brother-in-law is—he—he uh, he works every day. So it's. In, in that sense, it's not as, uh, we don't really, we're not going out and interacting with other people. Like our, our bubbles right. are truly quite small. Nobody's a bartender. Okay, Brandon, thank you. I really appreciate you telling me your story. I, I appreciate that very much. And have a great Thanksgiving. Please be safe. Ken is on the line. 
Uh, Ken, you're not changing your plans? Not at all. What? Come on. Aren't, haven't you listened yeah, to Doug? He's changing First his plans. All, can, I, can I just say, yeah. I don't buy what you're selling. Well, I'm not selling you anything. What, what are you talking yeah, about? you are. The whole, all the media networks are, come on. You what, what are we selling there, you, Ken? There are, left, there are far more deaths from other diseases than the coronavirus. I'm a grandfather. I'm gonna, I haven't seen my grandkids. I've invited them over for Thanksgiving dinner, and I'm going to have my dinner. And I don't feel one ounce of guilt. You don't think you're at risk for that? You don't think you're at I risk from COVID? I'm, I'm just as much at risk of getting flu, of getting any other disease that's out I, the, I, Ken, I, I, I got to disagree with you. You, you, you know the oh, evidence, okay, Ken. Well, the evidence says that if you get COVID-19, you are 68, sir. you've been doing since March. You've been you are 68, and the evidence, and I'm not, don't listen to me. Oh, listen to the doctors. Evidence. Come on. Listen to the doctors, Ken. You know what? If you listen to the doctors when they first, when this first came out, you heard Fossey. I mean, it's on the air. It's out there for you to listen to, just like you keep trying to spill to me. He said masks are useless. You know the evidence has changed on oh, this. Wow. You know that you know that our understanding of the virus has changed. Ken, listen. Listen, I'm not going to try and convince you to change your plans. Here's what I here no, hold on. Hold on. You got you got time on the air. You get to have hundreds of thousands of people listen to your spiel. And good luck to you. Ken, good luck to you too, sir. Give and I do mean that. I <laughs> thank you. That's Doug, hit me one more time on that. Give your head a shake. Yeah. Yeah, Ken, I'm gonna have to call you on that. Give your head a shake, because that's what the evidence says, and you're sixty eight and you shouldn't be having people over. Phil is on the line, has been waiting to go on the line. Phil, first of all, what what did you just hear there? Am I am I off base there? That that seems crazy to me. That is crazy. Um, you know, he's drunk the Kool-Aid, unfortunately, of the um, conspiracy theorists, I think, Alan. You know, uh, I, that is crazy. As far as our plans, you know, my mom and dad are in their 80s. There hasn't been a year we haven't been together over the holidays, but unfortunately... And they understand it. While they don't like it either, we're, um, you know, we're not going to see them uh, this Thanksgiving. However, that being said, what I what I told your screener earlier was the reason I wanted to talk with you was I wanted to say that I share your opinion about um, uh, Doug Ford. You know, when he was when he was elected, I couldn't stand the guy. Really couldn't. You know, he he just seemed bombastic and divisive. But he's really become a, a real leader in this thing, I think, you know, just uh, how what he's modeling, I think, is fabulous. He's won me over. Phil, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I appreciate your call. Thanks. Uh, we got one more time for one more, and Craig's on the line. Uh, Craig is uh, not changing your plans at all, Craig? What's your story? Well, part of my, some of my family does not want to come over for uh, Thanksgiving. I'm a grandfather. Uh, I'm 54. I I I'm not falling like the what second caller before. Yeah. I'm not falling for all this. I'm sorry. Um, falling for what, Craig? What What are you not are... falling for? Okay, here's the deal. Why do you guys never bring on doctors who disagree with this? Because there's plenty of them. There's plenty of epidemiologists, plenty of virologists. 
plenty of doctors worldwide disagree, disagree with, with what? what we're doing. With locking down. With this whole with this whole societal lockdown, with the the with with how dangerous this flu pandemic is, there are plenty it, of doctors, it, thousands and thousands. You can go online and find them. Yeah, you, I you know I, 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 I think you know. Here's here's the thing, Craig. Here, here's who I bring on. Here's who I bring on is the doctors and the experts that I know, that I know locally, right? And I, I bring on the ones, and I put quotes on the air from the medical officers of health, the ones that are in charge. And those are the ones that we should be listening to and no others. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate your call. Listen, we are out of time. Thank you so much for everybody for calling in and for telling your story. I, I really, be safe, be smart. You know, don't fall for this malarkey about the flu, That's garbage. It's absolutely not true. Be safe. Be smart. These decisions are hard. And uh, we got to admit it to each other. It's hard to say, we're not getting together. It's hard to say, I'm not going to see you, Mom. It's hard to say to your grandkids, don't come over. It's easy to pick and choose the information that you want that supports what you're believing. But I'll tell you what the real information is. COVID-19 is deadly. And you've got to treat it as such. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.